Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, Senior NBA Insider for HoopsHype.com and the host of the Hoops Hype Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by our Hoops Hype salary cap expert, Yossi Goslin, to break down the top NBA players who become trade eligible pretty soon, starting December 15th. It's usually a time during the NBA calendar where Trade talks slowly start to pick up more. And then as you look ahead towards the G League showcase as well, the ball really starts to get rolling a little bit more around this time during the holiday season. And Yossi, I'm always happy to have you join the pod, brother. And uh, I know you got a lot of exciting stuff coming your way personally outside of work. It's It's a good time heading into 2024. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. I'm excited to get into the official part of trade season. I think it's uh, I think there's some interesting teams, some interesting players that could be moved over the coming months. I mean, I think, bro, first and foremost, the team that has some guys that are interesting right off the bat when you look at that December 15th date is the in-season tournament champions, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, there's a couple of guys there that become trade eligible on the 15th. You got their point guard, D'Angelo Russell. You got Gabe Vincent, who they brought over from Miami. And you could throw Christian Wood in there as well, who they signed in the offseason. Um, you know, you also, when I look at D'Angelo Russell, he's been pretty consistent since he returned to the Lakers. He's averaged 17 points, six assists. He's shooting 48% overall, 41% on his threes, and he's got an $18.7 million player option for next season. I think certainly if, uh, you know, as I mentioned in in my top trade candidates piece for the season, you know, rival NBA executives who spoke with Hoops, I believe that D'Angelo Russell and Ruri Hachimura are two potential trade candidates to watch on the Lakers, um, given their play, given the salaries that they earn. Um, you know, you also uh, you look at Gabe Vincent as a guy who signed a three-year, $33 million contract in free agency, and he's missed all before games this year with a left knee injury. You know, the Lakers have been cautious with him, and they've given him more time to heal. Um, I'm told Vincent is hopeful he can return sometime within the next two weeks. Fingers crossed for him. I know he certainly played many times while he was injured in Miami. Um, and this is a guy that wants to make good on that big free agent splash that the Lakers had. When when you look at the landscape out in LA with this team coming off the in-season tournament championship, what do you see for LA given that some of these guys become trade eligible and then, you know, Rui Hachimura will eventually as well. You mentioned D'Angelo Russell, and he is playing well this season. You mentioned his numbers. 
the reason why he's automatically a trade candidate aside from the salary that they the contract they signed him to the two-year deal a pretty short deal is making a 17 million a year is his playoff disparity uh he plays pretty well in the regular season but then come playoff time last year those numbers dipped at 13 points per game uh 42 from the field 31 from three usually from like instead of high 30s so and then obviously the defensive deficiencies there were times when he was not playable so yeah he's doing he's a great regular season player he'll help the lakers get there but i think long run long run they want to uh get players that can be viable for the playoffs um you mentioned gabe vincent uh the lakers keep falling for heat guards that overperform and uh yeah gabe vincent's been injured but definitely uh has some um reminders of what happened with the Kendrick Nunn experience in his first year. Uh, hopefully Gabe Vincent comes back soon, but at the same time, he'll have to, I'm sure the internally, they're not feeling too good about that signing at the moment. And when you mention who the Lakers are targeting, we'll just get to the obvious target, Zach Levine. Everyone is waiting to count down the days for when the Lakers have enough eligible trade eligible players so they could potentially target uh, trade for Zach Levine. Um, he's been it's been like a month since the reporting came out that he's open to get traded. And I listed a couple teams and mostly some some teams like uh, Detroit, Orlando that need some offense. It was a very short list. And obviously the Lakers were mentioned. And now as we are further away from that, I feel like the Lakers might be the only team that kind of makes sense for him at this point, if he's going to get traded this year. Uh, so the question is how much the Chicago, how much are they going to require to uh, from the Lakers or any other team to trade him? And if it's not a, if they're not getting the type of value they want, are they comfortable just getting off that money uh, maybe taking just a little bit of value. I saw reports that the Bulls are interested in Austin Reeves, but the Lakers wouldn't do that. And yeah, if you're the Lakers, I don't think I'd want to go from Reeves to Levine at all. But, you know, what's uh, just like a little, I've been thinking about, about it more and more. Maybe there's something where they get Levine. Uh, maybe they could also get a guy like Alex Caruso. I think that's a guy that really raises their championship ceiling over most of the players I just talked about. Uh, would the Lakers consider a type of package where they get Levine and Caruso, but uh, but then have to give up Reeves, but they don't have to give up any picks? Maybe they also get off Gabe Vincent in the process. I think that's an interesting scenario. Um, that they, they definitely need a point of attack defender like Caruso to defend some of the better uh, ball dominant players in the league. So uh just so that's the main thing with the Lakers. I think it's just obvious that as we get to trade season, uh Zach like will Zach Levine get traded to the Lakers will probably be the uh the their uh dominant trade target. Now that's some food for thought. I mean, when you bring up all these these names, I think certainly, I mean, look, I know. I know Jeannie Buss is a big fan of Austin Reeves and, um, you know, this was a guy that is kind of a developmental story for them 
where they got him coming as an undrafted guy and they take pride in that. I know that, uh, you know, certainly Laker fans were saddened to see Alex Caruso go. Um, and with Zach Levine being that he's rep by Rich Paul and clutch sports, obviously anytime that's the case for representation, his clients always get linked to the Lakers. And he certainly has a few of them now on the team. Um, it's also interesting that since Levine has been out, Chicago has, in the short term, won in his absence. Um, I don't know if that's going to move the needle more for them to try to make a trade with him, you know, earlier than the deadline. But certainly there's other players that, like you touched on, would need to be included, um, whether it's the Lakers or somewhere else, that you have to wait for certain dates, whether it's December 15th, January 15th to get a deal done. Um, but Zach's, you know, inflammation in his foot, um, it, causing him to miss more time certainly is, it's interesting how the timelines would seemingly add up at that point. Um, you know, for the Lakers, I think in that sense, they'd have to decide if having Zach Levine is the clear number three guy and given his salary is worth it, you know, bringing him closer to home or do you try to do it more by committee like they did last year with guys like Austin Reeves, et cetera. Um, you know, that, that, that trade scenario you brought up is, is an interesting one. I certainly food for thought, um, you know, no question there. I think, I, I wonder how Laker fans would feel about that if they, if they ended up, doing like a move like that. I, I wouldn't call it, I don't know if I would call it a quote unquote blockbuster, but that, that would be a, a needle moving trade, certainly for both sides. Um, yeah. I'm going to circle back. Also would mo and all Laker fans would prefer a DeRozan uh, Caruso package versus uh Levine. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's interesting with the bulls because they almost make it seem like they want to keep DeMar DeRozan and DeMar's the older player. And you got Vooch, who's older as well, into his, you know, 30s. And it's almost like, well, what's the timeline for Chicago in that sense? Because of those guys, Levine is is the younger of the youngest of them. And, um, you know, it, it, it's an interesting scenario because you look at Arturis Karnasovas and Bulls management, and they sold, you know, ownership previously when they had Lonzo Ball that this team was going to be good. Now, the Lonzo Ball injury was unforeseen. You can't really predict. You couldn't have predicted that that would happen, but um, certainly the ceiling has been lowered for the group. Um, so, I don't know. To me, I, I just find it interesting that, you know, if you're a team and you're almost trying to keep DeMar and you have Vooch, you'd almost be more in a win now mode, which again has been the sentiment that uh, rival executives around the league have gotten. You know, when I, when I wrote the top trade candidates piece um, recently on hoopsype.com, we, I had touched on that they're looking not necessarily for straight draft capital. They're looking for players that can help them win now and maybe a pick down the line if, if they can add to their cupboard. But um, it, it's an interesting strategy because I don't know how much higher their ceiling would be if they just 
tweak Zach Levine or not. I know they've been on a short-term role lately with him out, but as far as long-term sustainable success, I don't see that with them. And like, look, they're going to have decisions to make on their big three. And, and eventually there's another team coming up that's going to have decisions to make. And it's the I'll, just, I'll just say one thing on what you were just uh, mm-hmm. saying about the Bulls is, yeah, I've seen the reports that they are motivated to keep winning, staying good uh, as best they can. But I do also think that they might have a motivation to lose in the short term. They do owe the Spurs a pick next year, but it's top eight protected. Right now, they're within that top eight range based on their season performance. Um, so. It, you know, there could be a, a decision. It would be possible that they make a decision. Let's take a step back for a couple of years, keep the pick for a little, try to keep the pick. Uh, it's protected for like maybe another year beyond that, I think. And then try to uh, get good from there. I mean, full disclosure, if I was in Chicago scenario, I would rebuild. That's just my opinion. I, I don't think they're anywhere near certainly a championship contender, let alone, you know, top six playoff team without having to hit the play in tournament. Right. Um, and, and the protection, like basically would let them keep their pick. Like they could, it's top eight protected through 2027. I just checked. They could bottom out for really that whole time and probably keep that pick. That's from the, uh, from getting to Mark DeRozan. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I would, the one thing I would say is you'd have to sell management on that. And we've seen previously, regimes such as like when the Orlando Magic got rid of Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, and they completely rebuilt, uh, they were able to sell management, uh, excuse me, ownership on that. And I think Chicago would have to be able to do that. Again, I don't, I haven't gotten that sense yet, but like a lot of people around the league wouldn't, wouldn't give them an issue if they did. I think you would look at that logically and say, well, it could make sense, but you got to get ownership's approval. Um, but that's an interesting point too. You touch on with the San Antonio pick. Um, this draft is a weaker draft coming up this year. I mean, I've talked to plenty of scouts and executives on it and, and we will have spoiler alert. We will have coming up in the near future, a new hoops hype aggregate mock draft. So be on the lookout for that. But um this draft class is not that good. So I, I don't know if that's going to motivate them or move the needle, but it, it's something to keep an eye on. And I mean, we touched on Chicago having to make decisions on a lot of their guys, but another team that is going to have some decisions to make in the nearer future, I would say is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And one of the guys on their roster that becomes trade eligible December 15th is Karis Levert. Um, so essentially, if, if the Cavaliers can make a win now move to upgrade the roster to a title contender, they'd do it. But it's uncertain whether that'll materialize itself. And Levert's got a two-year, $32 million contract. That's a nice tradable salary. He's a versatile player and a guy that's pretty liked around the league. It, it's just always a question of whether he can stay healthy uh, for Karras. And and in a bigger picture, Yossi, and, and you know this as well as anybody as a salary cap expert, Cleveland's going to have to make big financial decisions given the upcoming luxury tax bills if, if, I'll say if again, 
Donovan Mitchell resigns on a max contract down the line. Because if the Cavaliers resign Mitchell with a max contract, Jared Allen could become more expendable down the line and they're going to have to make other roster decisions. But for the time being right now, um, you know, Karras is a guy that last year was mentioned in trade talks. And ultimately, if they are going to make an upgrade on the wing, you would figure that Karras would be a guy that would be involved. Now, again, and I mentioned it now, I touched on a little bit in the top trade candidates piece. It's got to be a guy that's going to really help them move the needle and win now because they do like Karras. They certainly like Jared Allen as well. Um, so when you look at Karras for Cleveland, Yossi, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on him and, and the chances that he gets moved before the deadline. So I've been taking a deeper look at Cleveland and their season because they're pretty interesting. Um, they started the season with several injuries to a lot of players, uh, got off to a four and six start, and they're, they've been nine and three since over their last 12 games. Uh, they're still a top 10 defense like last year, but they've been struggling on offense. They're 24th, and even in that run uh, over their tw- past 12 games, they're 23rd in that span. So I'm trying to like just really understand like what's going on. I might be missing some things, but one thing is their bench. Uh, see that their bench, one of one of the worst scoring benches, are 24th in points per game, minus 2.6 in the net rating, last in offensive rating. Uh, their bench players. So I suppose that's one of their bigger indicators of what's going on with their offensive struggles. So you talk about what can can the Cavs do some type of big trade that's hard to say because they have this starting lineup that's seems they seem pretty well set with it their top one through five Max Roos has been really good for them this year um he's definitively their fit starter he's brought a much needed element of shooting without really taking away from their defense and so Karis LeVert is an obvious trade candidate he comes off the bench does not really project to ever uh, close with the Cavaliers when they're fully healthy. Um, But he's also been really their most reliable uh, guard lead ball handler off the bench. Rubio's not playing. Uh, Ty Jerome's been injured. They have Craig Porter Jr. has been pretty good, but when it looks, he hasn't really been playing that much recently after that uh, stretch, really nice stretch he had last month. So, you can you can try to I just don't know if they're gonna if they would trade Lavert uh with one of their starters like Max Drews, for example, for like an even bigger upgrade. I don't know if that works. They don't really have any picks to trade. Uh so I'm not sure there's something there that really raises their ceiling more so than them trying to uh upgrade their bench and improve it. Now look, maybe uh, a lot of their bench issues just improve over time. Um, but they do have some other, like I said, there's Ty Jerome, uh, they have George Niang. Those are two other guys that will become trade eligible coming this week. Um, I would say that if the Cavs do something, it just probably more smaller scale moves to try to, uh, reshuffle their bench and get pieces that can, uh, improve on offense. Yeah. I mean, they got a lot riding on this season because you know the clock on donovan mitchell is gonna start to to tick and his looming free agency coming up down the line certainly a lot of 
key decisions they got to make. They seem to have hit on a former Heat player. I know you touched on Gabe Vincent a little earlier and um, how that's worked out for the Lakers. It certainly looks like it's been a a rewarding signing for Cleveland so far with Max Struess. Um, as far as the Donovan Mitchell stuff, I still feel it's a little too early for that. Um, Long term, I'm not a big fan of the fit. I don't think that a team could really win at the highest levels having two small guards in your best lineup. Uh, so I do feel like whether it's on, uh, his decision that will need to change. And if they can get like another big versatile wing with the uh, player uh, in his stead, I think that should, um, or, or, you know, or, or Garland, whichever, you know, just between one of them, I think that would uh, raise their ceiling a lot. That's easier said than done. I don't know what type of player that could be that becomes available, but in the long run, I'm sure that will be something that will happen, especially that, that could, you know, develop, especially if the Mitchell trade speculation or just future speculation in general gets louder. Yeah, I mean, look, Cleveland obviously is going to want to keep Donovan Mitchell, and they'll have time down the line where they can decide at any point whether they want to move him or not. Obviously, this year they're going to try to be as competitive as they can be with this this core and the continuity that they have and go from there down the line. You could always wait until the trade deadline of his expiring contract season if you want. There's always going to be a team interested, especially when you can acquire bird rights, uh, given teams that don't have cap space. But obviously, at that stage, the return would be less. So that's something Cleveland's going to have to figure out. But, you know, Donovan Mitchell is a star in his own right and a team that would look to, I would say, another team out there that would look for either a starting caliber upgrade and is always in the market for a star caliber player is is the Houston Rockets. And as I had mentioned in my top trade candidates piece, Houston will look to continue to upgrade the roster. And they've got the tradable contracts of Victor Oladipo, Jock Londale, Jeff Green, and they got future draft picks as well. So for December 15th, you've got Jeff Green and Jock Londale that become trade eligible Um as far as this topic goes. And I mean, look, Green has been a great veteran locker room leader and he can still contribute on the floor for Houston. Um, separately, with Alperin Shangun's emergence this season, Jock Londale's role hasn't been what it was projected to be when he was signed. However, his contract was designed specifically to be a, a trade asset. And I mean, Yossi, when you look at these guys and just the Rockets situation, what do you foresee in your crystal ball as we get ready for not only the new year ahead in 2024, but obviously the trade deadline coming up in February? You know, I really don't know what the Houston Rockets, how high they're willing to go or like what their plan is in the trade deadline. There's a lot of different things that could happen. Uh, Houston, they've been pretty good this year. Uh, They're in play in range right now. Uh, fourth ranked uh, defense, uh, 3.0 net rating, uh, 10 and 9 start. One of their biggest issues is their home away disparity. They only have one win on the road. I believe that's the worst um, away record in the league right now. Uh, but I would imagine that's going to improve. Uh, and they've been really, they played surprisingly well against good competition. They're 8 and 6 against teams above 500. They've been the Nuggets three times already. 
Um, so, I mean, that's, uh, you know, whether injuries or not, I think that's still pretty impressive. Um, now, with the Rockets, they Udoka plays his starters a lot, like pretty heavy minutes. He's It feels like he's really maximized this roster uh, to its to like its abilities. And I suppose the question is like, what, what do they want to do in this trade deadline? Because they're, uh, they're clearly pretty good and they're going to want to try to get better, try to break above the play in range. Uh, you mentioned they have Jeff green, they have Jock Lawndale. Uh, those guys, they have pretty decent sized salaries that they can use for salary matching, but what exactly do they want to do? Do they want to get some more bench pieces that can help uh, ease the load for their starters? I remember when the Rockets, they were like pretty in it for to sign uh, Brooke Lopez. It didn't work out. I think fortunately that ended up being a good thing for them because then Shangun would have been marginalized. But do they still want to get another rim protector type player to back up Shangun? There's, they're not really, they don't really have that type of, like rim protector off the bench right now or at all on the roster uh or do they want to do something bigger do they want to upgrade like the their starting lineup the like i don't like they've got all their first round picks uh they could trade they could really trade like they could trade multiple picks they could trade some swaps do they want to go all in on a starter would they consider uh something like moving some some of their young players to add another like just another uh, starter or even the next available all-star if that becomes available. I just mentioned that because I do think they have the pieces to get that type of a trade done. And between Green, Landale, and I'd also mentioned Victor Oladipo, who he's already trade eligible, but he will actually be, uh, the Rockets could aggregate him two days after uh, December 15th, after the, uh, you know, the unofficial start of trade season. You can take between those three guys, you could take back up to 35 million. You could trade for just about anybody. So if they do want to swing for that type of all-star, uh, if that player becomes available, they could. So I just don't know what direction they want to do. I, I would guess that if that the, the highest ceiling opportunity becomes available, they'll probably go for it, explore it. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what actually becomes available. And at the worst, I would imagine they'll at least uh, – uh, fortify their bench a little more. You know, you, you talk about fortifying a bench. Uh, just to circle back on the Bulls for a second, I, again, with, with Chicago's future direction a little bit uncertain, it, it's unclear at this time, but you talk about guys that could hold value for playoff contenders that could fortify any bench on a playoff team. I I, I wondered about Javon Carter and Tory Craig on the Bulls because I do think those guys would have value. And, you know, I remember like in the offseason, Minnesota was also looking at Javon Carter in addition to Chicago. Tory Craig had a, a number of teams as well because he's a good role player. But those were just two guys that kind of, as you're, as you're talking about, you know, bench guys, um, and team, you know, like a team like Houston or someone else trying to fortify their bench, just two names that popped into my mind that I think would hold value if uh, if they were on the market and, and teams would be after. Yeah, the if the Bulls end up 
uh, trading a lot of their best players, uh, their starters, Levine, DeRozan, Caruso. And eventually that'll probably also extend to some of their bench players. Uh, Javon Carter has, there's just so many guards on the Bulls right now that he's been in the rotation, but uh, he definitely feels like he can have a bigger role elsewhere if uh, given the opportunity. Uh, Torrey Craig's on a minimum deal. Just, yeah, another guy you could just easily plug in for many other teams. Uh, just about because he's on a minimum salary, it's very easy to just acquire him. So with their direction being uncertain, as you mentioned, yeah, I would definitely monitor those two guys. They could definitely be on the move if they enter that rebuild. Are there any other bench guys you're looking at, you know, Eastern or Western Conference that stick out to you as kind of guys on that December 15th trade eligibility calendar date that you could see as a as a trade candidate so the one uh team i'm interested in seeing what they do are the denver nuggets uh Mm. so the nuggets they have they have their starting five it's one of the best if not the best starting five in the league and then they have a lot of nice uh young players coming off the bench Uh, not a lot of consistency but on a given night a certain player could step up but looking and that's good for the regular season but looking long term they did lose Bruce Brown they did lose Jeff Green I can't really say they've replaced those guys and it'll ultimately it'll probably not it won't matter too much just because they have their top guys those guys are going to play but they do I do think they need like another guy or two uh, they that they could reliably depend on in the playoffs. It's just hard to see who uh, on this Nuggets team you can really see like getting consistent minutes, being as impactful as they need them to be. So then I look at a so the player I'm looking at is Reggie Jackson because he's the makes their most the most money on the roster besides their starters. He, they re-signed him to a two-year deal, making five million this year. Uh, he waived his implicit no trade clause so uh he would have had veto rights on the trade this season since he resigned on a one plus one but he waived it which tells me the nuggets uh resigned them with you know like a strong not so much an intention but like if the opportunity came to trade him that was that was definitely that definitely played into resigning him and he's been pretty good uh he's had that so that really crazy game against the Clippers. Uh, he's been really good uh, while Jamal Murray's been gone. But again, once we're in the playoffs, they're going to play Jamal Murray. I'm not sure Reggie Jackson would even factor in too much in the playoffs. So if they can, so the point is, if they can uh, package Reggie, maybe uh, another player who has a decent salary like Zeke Naji. And you can get back like a $10 million or so player that is uh, that is like their definitive six man. Uh, just try to get another veteran that they could really depend on and play extend. They can know for sure will play extended minutes in the playoffs. That's something I'd monitor. Um, I know a lot, um, a lot of these guys have uh, played pretty well, but... I I have to imagine the Nuggets are definitely going to be l- trying to identify players that like, like they don't 
doesn't have to be Bruce Brown necessarily. I think they got very lucky that they got him and he ended up playing just as well as he did. But they just got to get another guy in there that like a little more size, I would say, that they can have in the playoffs. You know, you talk about Reggie Jackson. It, it's interesting if you look at his starter versus reserve splits. I mean, when this guy's been a starter for the Nuggets filling in, you know, when uh, Jamal Murray was out, he'd averaged 16 points and about five assists, shoot like 54% from the field, 44% from three. When he comes off the bench, those numbers go to nine points, three and a half assists, and the shooting splits are 42% from the field and 35% from three. So obviously come the playoffs, you know, you're hoping Jamal Murray and, and, and that starting unit is healthy, um, but he is an intriguing backup option and a spot starter kind of guy. Um, you know, as you look around the league, another guy I feel like that's kind of taking advantage of that could take advantage of an opportunity to play more with the guy injured. I look at the Dallas Mavericks and I look at Seth Curry because of Kyrie Irving's injury. Um, he's a guy that could get more playing time with Kyrie out now. Um, we don't have a timeline yet on Irving, but um, he's a guy that technically becomes eligible to be traded December 15th. Teams are always looking for more shooting. He signed a two-year, $8 million deal. It's non-guaranteed for next season. Um, curious your thoughts on him and if you had anything else on the Mavericks uh, big picture. Uh, they have a couple other guys that become trade eligible. Um, overall, uh, they've had a pretty good season. Uh, a lot of their best wins, like most of their wins have not been against great competition. Uh, there's, I've looked at their schedule. It is going to get a little tougher uh, over the next few coming months, but you know, they, I would say if they do need some more versatility on the wing, uh, they've gotten a lot out of Derek Jones so far. Um, Tim Hardaway has been playing really well, been shooting extremely well. Uh, unfortunately, Josh Green is injured. He's been solid, but if, but they, the, the Mavs over recent years, they've, haven't had much of a problem having a lot of undersized guards. Uh, they have got Luke and Kyrie in their lineup. They got a lot of other guys, uh, Seth Curry, uh, Josh Green, Exum, Hardy. Uh, they don't mind having lots of undersized guards and playing them up higher. Uh, but for the playoffs, I do think they, if they knew they do need to trade some of these guards, if possible, try to get another, some more uh, wing size depth, some more versatility on the wing, especially defensively. Um, they, they haven't, I wouldn't, I don't think they've truly replaced Dorian Finney-Smith yet as nice as Grant Williams has been. Um, so if they can, those, these players are very hard to come by, but if they can just get some more, another wing guy, uh, I think that would help them, especially come playoff time. Yeah. Dallas misses Dorian Finney-Smith. I I mentioned that they had, you know, in my, my trade candidates piece that they had, at least try to see if maybe there's a way they can get him back at some point, but I don't know if that's uh, that's in the cards. But um, the only other guy I thought of, given Memphis's struggles this season, was you know if Derrick Rose wanted to try to chase a ring and a team needed a backup point guard spot, he's still shown he's got some gas left in the tank. And 
I, you know, Derek, I, I've always admired his ability to kind of redefine his career after he got hurt with the Bulls and have such longevity. Um, just curious if you, when you look at Memphis's situation and with, with Derek in particular, if where, where does he fall on the, the trade candidate spectrum for guys that could be moved on December 15th in your eyes? He's a trade candidate in the way, in the sense just that Memphis will need to clear a roster spot pretty soon. I think it's going to be this month when John Moran's suspension ends. I haven't really kept track, but once his, uh, with the suspension coming up, they're going to have to clear a roster spot. Just they're already at 16 guys. Uh, I think Biombo, who's their only non guaranteed player, I think they'll keep him, especially because they signed him to 5 million. Uh, salary, which is a pretty solid um, uh, movable salary in a trade. Uh, if you look at some of the other guys, I haven't seen their rotations in like the past like two or so three games, but I know there's some other guys that not playing as much like John Conchar, um, Kenneth Bofton Jr. Uh, yeah. Who else am I thinking of? I mean, those are the main two guys that are like, I, I suppose, have not been playing despite being healthy. Uh, so they're going to have to make a move of some kind. Uh, I would imagine, worst case, they cut maybe Lofton just because he's making a minimum salary. I don't think he has much guaranteed money beyond this season. But, and then Rose, he's got a two year deal, two year minimum deal player option next year. So, uh, I think it doesn't necessarily have any positive value, so I don't think there's it have prop. They might have to give up an asset to get off of him. But I know that part of the reason they signed him was because they just wanted another veteran in the locker room. With all the uh, issues that went on last year, they want uh, they want a veteran there, and so I would guess they keep him. You never know what's going to happen like we didn't i don't think anyone expected john moran to get suspended again hopefully it's not doesn't happen again but with all the injuries especially to the backcourt rose is honestly pretty valuable to them right now so most likely i think they keep them for the reasons i mentioned but yeah they're gonna have to either way they're gonna have to make a decision pretty soon on someone with uh, Morant about to come back yeah i don't see i mean beyond is one of their few big men um i think you know, maybe Kenneth Lofton Jr. is a name to to keep an eye on there. Um, John Conchar has been a name that's, you know, a trade candidate as well uh, when it comes to Memphis. So certainly. And then, uh, oh, and then Jalen Noel has been playing pretty good. They're yep. actually at 17 guys when you consider, uh, when you factor in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting because, I mean, I, I suppose they might not be able to keep him either with their roster crunch. Yeah, or or they make a move. They've they've got some decisions to make, certainly. Right. Um, is there, is there anybody else around the league you're looking at with this December fifteenth date looming that uh, could have some guys that could be trade candidates? The only other team I would keep an eye on are the Suns. Mm. Uh, so Frank Vogel, he's done a he's done a very good job with the team with all the injuries to their uh to their stars and in this time the first 20 games or so he's figured out more or less his nine ten man rotation 
And now that they know who they like, who's, who are the keep, uh, they also know who they could potentially move to trade, uh, try to get an upgrade. So, uh, so a couple guys that become trade eligible, Bol uh, Bol, Chemezi Metu, Damien Lee, who's injured. Um, you know, Lee, he, I'm not sure how he'll factor in once he comes back, but if they want, if they don't really, if they're if fully healthy, he's not going to play. Maybe they look to move him. They all together, those guys, uh, they make their, their cap hits are in like the two million range. Uh, maybe you could combine some of them, try to get a slightly more expensive player, uh, clear a roster spot uh, to try to get someone else later. Um, just uh, now that just another team to monitor. Maybe they do something small scale with some of their uh, out of rotation minimum guys. Now, that's an interesting scenario. I mean, they're certainly trying to go all in now to win a title. Obviously, Brad Beal is going to be the X factor for them. Uh, we'll see. Still waiting on that big three for Phoenix. And we'll equally be, equally be waiting to see how much the trade meter moves as we get to that December 15th date and the G League showcase. And before you know it, the calendar is going to flip to 2024. Appreciate you joining me as always on the pod, brother. Likewise. Uh, thanks for having me on anytime. You got it, my man. And I also want to thank everybody else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoops High podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, we recently had Franz Wagner on, got coaches, Jamal Mosley, Steve Clifford, others. You got executives, media members as well. You can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter at Mike Ascato. Make sure you're following Yossi too. He's at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scott. wishing you and yours all the best. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.